It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we begin a series called Both And, which will be kind of our pastor swap series that we uh, started last year. Uh, We have five vineyard pastors from different churches uh, rotating around for the next uh, month. And so this begins our series with Mike Lehman, who is uh, the regional director of or coordinator of our region of the vineyard, and also a pastor at the Trinity Vineyard in Cyprus in the Houston area. So let's welcome Mike Lehman at North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. Set up and tear down every week, and um, I just value and appreciate your creativity here, because this is an unbelievable space, and you guys make and use. This has got to be the best storefront vineyard in the countries. I love it. It's awesome. So great stuff. I love what I see here. Yeah. Excellent. Crispin's going to come to my place. and He's like, man, this is so sterile. Oh, it's a school cafeteria. We're trying to get to somewhere else. We're working on it. All right. Well, several, several years ago, my wife and I um, spent an afternoon in the courthouse for hearing regarding our foster child. We had the opportunity to do this before we'd already adopted one child, and so we had some idea of what to expect. So when you go to these courthouse settings, talking's not allowed. I I didn't spend a lot of time in the court system, thankfully, growing up. It was a new experience for me. Talking wasn't allowed. Uh, I can't read a book. Uh, Waiting in the hallway is not really an option because you have to be in the room. So all you can do is just sort of sit there and wait for your case to be called. Naturally, we were the last case to be heard that day. So we spent several hours listening and observing the different situations, circumstances. And if you just want to get a grasp of how broken our world is, uh, all you need to do is spend a few hours in the juvenile court and listen to all the things that are being addressed. You'll hear about families that are at odds with one another over the the custody of children. You'll hear grandparents that are taking care of children that just don't have the financial means to do so. Uh, You'll hear about birth fathers that are, uh, they'll stand there in their prison jumpsuits, they're incarcerated, standing before the judge, having their rights terminated. Mothers who um, have had children taken away from them, fighting to get their children back. Social workers who must stand before the judge in front of these parents and recommend that children go back, don't go back to these birth families because it's not a safe place to go. You'll listen to moms and dads plead their case that they're no longer involved in gang activity or drug use or uh, they're trying to convince the judge that they can provide a stable home for their family, that their criminal record is not indicative of who they are. It's just story after story after story of pain and disappointment and tragedy and failure. And as my family went through this process, we had no choice to enter into that world. We just, it's just part of the path. It's part of the journey. It's what you do. And as adoptive parents now, we've adopted both of our kids. Uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to, to care for our kids, to love them, to affirm them, to encourage them, to embrace them, no matter who they are, no matter what sort of brokenness they came, for, came from. And believe me, they got their own story. There's a reason. This, the, the reason they're in our home is because they too were born into a broken world. And so as we stood before the judge, uh, we understood that. It's like a a whole new veil was open, and we we saw the world, and it's it's mess in a new way. We already knew it was messy, but we just like, oh, wow, it's it's even messier than we thought. Um, And so our expectation, what was our expectation to go into this when we had fostered kids? Honestly, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. 
Um, we expected it to be amazing and wonderful and exciting, and it has, but we also expected it to be really, really hard, and I'm glad we did, because it is. What's your expectation? What's your expectations about life? Do you expect everything to be easy? Do you expect uh, just to experience nonstop joy and laughter? Or maybe you're on the other side. You just expect everything to just be terrible. You expect pain every day. You expect hurt every day. You expect to just experience difficulty every day. You know, the way we view our, the way we have expectations about life really shapes the way we live. If we expect unending success, we will be uh, slighted the moment we don't have it. If we expect pain and hurt, I think we might appreciate the wonderful blessings in the midst of the mess. So today we're going to talk about expectation. And as followers of Jesus, uh, more specifically as followers of Jesus in the vineyard, I think, which I'll talk a little bit about, I want to ask, what is our expectation? What do we expect? And not only what do you expect personally, what do you expect uh, as you serve in your church? What do you expect as you uh, try to make a difference in your city? What's your expectation? Um, when I planted our church about 10 years ago, uh, I expected our church to be the biggest church in the city by now. We're about the same size as you guys. You guys may be the biggest church in the city, I don't know, but we're not. We're in Houston, the land of the mega church, so we're not even close. Um, I expected us to never be portable 10 years into it, setting up in a school and tearing down. Uh, I didn't expect that, uh, you know, we would, that I would be, I'm a full-time teacher, that I'd be working bivocationally. I, I expected a totally different experience than what I have ex- have gotten in return of this journey of planting a church, although it's been incredible and wonderful, and I wouldn't change it for anything. And so what were your expectations? What are your expectations as a church? So we're kicking off this series here at the church, and we're calling it Both And. There's a book. I meant to have it as a prop. I was going to hold it up. This is a book called Both And. It's written by a vineyard pastor in Columbus, Ohio. His name is Rich Nathan. Uh, and I want, we're just using this book. We're not teaching out of it. We're using it as a launching point in this series that you guys let your other pastors come through to talk about the tension that we live in, the tensions of life, the tensions of, of being a church. And so other weeks you might hear about unity and diversity, the, the tension there, uh, mercy and justice, proclamation, demonstration, personal, social, relevant, or orthodox. What, what are we going to do here, the tension? What's our expectation is the tension I want to talk about today. What, what is our expectation? What, how do we live in that tension? And for us in the vineyard, the language we use a lot, maybe you've heard it here, is we're, we're in this tension of the already and the not yet. That's this tension that we live in. It's already breaking in. God's, God's kingdom and God's love and mercy and grace and healing, you sang about it. God's kingdom is coming. It's already here, but when you go to the courthouse, it's very clear it's not yet fully here. It's, we're in this tension. We're in this in-between time. Here's a quote from the book, my only quote of the day from the book. I just think it's really good to kind of kick this whole thing off. It says, To be a disciple of Jesus is to live in tension. We worship God who exists in three persons. We serve Jesus who's both fully God and fully man. We live in a world that's both good and fallen. And the kingdom of God that Jesus announced is already here and yet to come. The tension exists not only in what we believe and an experience, but in who we are. We're sinners and we're saints. But here's the rub. As disciples of Jesus, we live in the both and tension while always being pulled by forces to relieve the stress and to go back to our either or life. But the moment the tension's relieved, there is no longer any power or influence. It's like the string on a violin. No matter how wonderful or expensive the instrument itself may be, it's in the tension on the strings that enable it to make music. 
power, energy, and life reside in tension. What preserves this tension is the kingdom of God. Every other organizing principle pushes you one way or the other. Only the kingdom of God is large enough to keep the tension. Such a great quote. And so today we're going to look at a familiar story. If you've grown up in church, you read your Bibles, it should be familiar. It's the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, I think we see this whole tension being expressed. This already and this not yet thing. And it shows us that Jesus is aware that this is the tension that we live in and that he lived in. So again, what's your expectation? What should your expectation be as people who live in tension? That's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray. We'll jump in. So God, thank you for calling us to be a people who live in tension. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's, out of our, it's out of our norm way of operating. We like things to be black and white. We like things to be either or. But God, you've invited us into a both and sort of life. And, and God, I pray that we would find meaning in that, purpose in that. Uh, and Lord, I just pray that you'd give us uh, some fresh eyes today, both in our own personal lives, in our own families, and in, in, as we relate to one another as, as people in church trying to make a difference in the world. We just say, come here and speak to us. Amen. All right, so I, didn't, I don't have slides today, so it worked out good. Oh, it is kind of working again. All right, well, I don't have slides. So uh, feel free to use your smartphone or whatever you need to, to follow along. But um, you, you probably be able to track with me even if you don't have that with you. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 4. This is where we find the parable of the sower. And so I'm going to start Mark chapter 4, verse 1. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, here's his parable, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. Okay, so Jesus here, he's teaching from a boat because the crowds are just mobbing him. And he's got to get some space. He wants to share with them, but he just, there's just no room in there to even breathe. And so he gets in this boat and he begins to teach them in parables. And as I, as I um, read that parable, I hope you saw that Jesus in this parable is actually teaching us a little bit about expectation. In this sowing the seed parable, it's, he's, he's explaining what does a farmer expect when they sow seed? And Jesus is identifying here with a farmer. He is like the farmer. He's gone out to sow his seed of the kingdom, and he's already been doing this in the first few chapters of Mark. He's, he's healed people. He's casted out demons. He's done all these powerful events. He's already sort of sowing the seeds of the kingdom as he's come, and this is, he is this farmer who's sowing the seed. What does he have to expect from that? And something that you see here is that he is, he is sowing seed in all types of soil, everywhere. Some of the soil is clearly very, very rich, some of the soil is very, very thorny. Some of it's rocky. Some of it's shallow. And interestingly enough, this was the common practice in farming uh, in Galilee. They would, they would spend a lot of time preparing the soil. They wouldn't worry all that much about it. They would invest hours making it nutrient-rich. They would just sow seed. Wherever, wherever it may be, they would just sow the seed, and then they would plow it in. 
And so what was the farmer's expectation when he functioned that way? If he's just sowing seed wherever he possibly might land, what, what might he expect from that? He tossed the seed in, in different conditions of, of soil. And so he, he didn't expect it to succeed every time. He didn't expect it to take root every time. He didn't expect it to work every time. He actually expected a financial loss in seed, in a sense, because he knew he was wasting some of it. But he knew, right, that some of it would bear grain. He knew that some of it would create a harvest. I think Crispin's ears are smaller than mine. I can't quite fit this on there. Yeah? No? Man. All right. So, anyway, the farmer gets mixed results, right? Don't you get mixed results in life? Is that your expectation, though? Do you expect that, or are you sort of shocked when you get mixed results? So, the farmer expects it, and Jesus expects it. You know, he, ex- he expects this with regard to his own ministry. Think about that. The king, the one in control, expects mixed results. Some of it's going to fall on hard ground like the path. The seed gets quickly devoured by the birds and never even has a chance. Other times the seed falls on rocky soil. I, I spent a few summers in Phoenix helping my brother-in-law landscape. It's a horrible job. Don't ever landscape in Phoenix. The ground is so hard it's impossible to dig a hole. If you dig just a tiny little shallow hole, you might get it to grow just a little bit, but it won't last. It's going to get scorched. Then there's the seed that lands among the thorns. It's healthy enough. There's enough rain and moisture to sustain life, but the weeds and thorns are established, and they choke it, and they, it dies. And then there's the seed that falls in good soil, and it says 30, 60, 100 times. So as you look at the sower, Jesus, in this story, notice his extravagance. He is just extravagant with the way he's sowing the seeds of the kingdom. He's, he's not worried about it. He's, he's sowing seed in all circumstances, even in circumstances where it appears to have no hope. Even where it seems like there's no chance that that seed will make it, he still is extravagant in the way that he's casting it out. Why, you know, why not wait and save the seed? Why not keep it in a safe place? Why not be more intentional and purposeful and strategic? Why not wait till the circumstances are perfect? That's not how Jesus operates, and that's not really how he calls us to operate. He just sows the seed. He's extravagant in all kinds of soil. And that's how the kingdom of God works. That's the tension that we live in. We invite the kingdom to break in in all circumstances. I love to pray for the kingdom to break in when the soil's rich, when someone comes ripe and ready to just re, you know, say, I, I want to just give my life to God. Those are the ones that you're like, I'll, I'll go do that one because you know you're going to feel good about yourself, right? But then I have those that come into my church and, and everything about their body language shows that they don't want to be there. And every, you know, just even the way they talk to me and interact, and you can just tell they're horribly uncomfortable, but for whatever reason, God is, is, is in the, you know, brought, God's brought them into the room, and what am I going to do? Am I just going to say, man, that's not worth my energy? There's no way it's ever going to get through to them? No, that's, that's, that's what we do as followers of Jesus. We just, we go for it. We, and we invite the kingdom activity in all places, and that's what God calls us to do. And so he's extravagant. So we need to offer the seed of the kingdom to everyone possible and not limit ourselves to the guaranteed soil. And so that'd be an encouragement from me to you, the North Shore Vineyard. Where, where are you sowing seed and where are you not sowing seed? Are you not sowing seed in some places because it just looks like there's no hope? Because it looks like you're not um, positioned to really affect or impact or you just think you're so different than that part of the culture or community you might be? And that may be true, but it doesn't mean you don't sow seed doesn't mean you don't invite and include and reach out 
and impact. All right. You know, one thing I just thought was interesting, um, Steve Shogren, he's a vineyard pastor from a long time ago. He's the guy that sort of invented the whole idea of servant evangelism where you go out and just do free stuff for people. Here's a bottle of water. Here's a Coke. Let me wash your car for free. Let me, you know, just kind of did that as a way to serve. Here's a practical way of showing you that God loves you. I don't know if you guys do that or not, but um, he, one of the reasons he believed in that is he said, because it takes seven touches before someone even softens, before their ground is soft soft enough to even receive that seed of God's love. Seven times before they're even soft enough. And I like that imagery because the farmer had to plow it in. And so each time he plowed the seed in, and he just softened the ground a little bit more. Threw the seed out, softened a little more. And I don't know if it took him seven times or 700 times, but that's, that was sort of the mentality, and that should be ours as well. So let's see. Now that we explode, explored, we didn't explode the sower. We're going to explore the sower. We're going to um, talk about the seed. And so we talked about the sower. Now, what about the seed? This, this seed, you know, try to wrap your brain around what it might be, but what would be the seeds of the kingdom? You know, what, would that might, what might that be? I mean, it, it involves so very much. Just being here on this street where, you know, the, the, the traffic is going by and they see your sign and, and uh, they know that you're present next door to a, a bar and an art gallery and a coffee shop. You are, you are a seed in this community. It's, you, can't, you can't get away from it. You are. But then what else is there? There's all sorts of things that you can do in the community. I know you passed out food in, uh, a couple weeks ago, right? You did a big food uh, donation project. And, um, you know, the baptism's taking place in the river where I'm sure people saw and wondered what in the world is going on. And, and um, the touches that you might make at work or with your kids at school, um, just all the different ways. Those are, those are the seeds that you're sowing. And, and there's so much more I'm sure that you guys could do. And, and you'll worry about that later. But in the meantime, think about what you're doing now. Think about the work that you're, you're you know, giving your lives to now. The first thing that we see about the seed in this story is that is, it is under attack and oppos- opposition. It's, it's not doing that great. Its odds are not all that great. The birds devour it. Uh, it gets scorched by the sun. It gets choked out by thorns. And so the sower is extravagant. We're called to be extravagant. But the sower's also got to be resilient and determined. He can't be weak and soft and, and easy to quit. Uh, this can be a really discouraging endeavor that we're on. Every effort to plant seed uh, almost seems like it's going to fail. Like um, the seed every time it's sown is going to be challenged. The seed of the kingdom will always be contested. Birds eat it, hard soil can't produce life, shallow plants are burnt up, weeds choke out the ones that do survive. The kingdom is like that. It always advances through opposition and resistance. It always does. It's always going to advance through that. It's never going to detour that. It's never going to bypass that. It always has to go through it. That has to be our expectation. See, that if we expect that, we're not going to be surprised by it. Going back to my courthouse analogy, you know, we'd heard story after story of how hard it is to go from foster to adopt. We expected it. And let me tell you, we experienced opposition. It was hard. Continues to be hard. But the kingdom's breaking it through that. So, when we do God's kingdom work, there'll always be resistance. There's always going to be discouragement and disappointment. You know, sometimes we're going to be feeling like we're making an impact and someone's going to swoop in from the outside and just ridicule what you're doing. They're going to mock it. They're going to call it manipulative. They're going to call it fake. They're going to say it's a waste of time. 
They're going to pick the seeds up off the ground that you've just sown. Other times, you're going to sow seeds of the kingdom and you're going to feel hope. You know, I'm always nervous when I'm at my church and a first-time guest comes in and they say, I finally found what I'm looking for. This is the perfect church. I'm ne- I'm, this is my home. You'll see me every Sunday from here on out. You know what? Nine times out of ten, I never see them again. That's typically kind of how it works. And I don't know why, but that's sort of this whole picture you have here of this plant that sprouts up really, really fast, right? Have you ever known those people where there's just so much hope in such a quick amount of time, and it's like, man, this is moving fast, and I just feel like, you know, God's at work here, and there's joy, and then the sun just scorches that person. They just get burned up. They experience the resistance. That's why you are so important. That's why community is so important. That's why depth is so important. That's why we've got to do everything we can to help those roots go deep because they're going to experience resistance. It's so easy to be overwhelmed by that. It's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to be disappointed. But the very nature of growth in this parable, did you notice the, the, the growth happened in a delayed way? The harvest is always delayed. The harvest doesn't ever happen after you sow. The harvest happens after long periods of discouragement, failure, and resistance right? That's when the harvest breaks in. So all that crop failure is, is disappointing, but there's this promise in this story that there is a harvest, and it's going to be 30, 60, even 100 times greater than the seed that was sown. Makes it all worth it. You know, and, and later on in chapter 4, Jesus just keeps pressing in. He, he loves this theme, this, this theme of, of farming or whatever you want to call it, sowing seed. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattered seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, and here you see the kingdom parallel. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? He said it's like a mustard seed which is the smallest seed you can plant in the ground, yet when planted, it grows. And it becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. So as far as of of Jesus, we're sowers of that kingdom, that mustard seed sort of belief that it can grow, it will grow. There's going to be a lot of resistance and a lot of failure but the, God will grow this thing. He will, he will allow it to grow. You know, and, and 1 Corinthians, another popular text that people say is, is um, the Apostle Paul. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. You know, some other church may have planted the seed. You may be watering it, but you didn't make it grow. God makes it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things, grow, makes things grow. So God is growing. That's a promise. He is growing his kingdom. He is at work. Absolutely. But there's tension. There is tension. There's got to have the expectation that, yes, God will grow. Absolutely, the kingdom will break in, but absolutely, it's going to be hard and disappointing, and there's going to be failures and frustrations. Jesus goes on, and he talks about the whole secret of this thing. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. When he was alone, now he pulls the twelve together after speaking from the boat. He pulls the twelve and, and he asks, the twelve around him ask him about the parables. They don't understand fully. They don't, they don't quite get it. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. 
so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So Jesus is saying, you guys are let in, let in here on a secret. And the secret is this kingdom thing, this, this, this both and kingdom tension that you're in. And, and, I'm, and Jesus is saying, I am the secret. I'm in the middle of it. I'm embodying this. You have found the secret because you've given your lives, you've left jobs, you've left families behind so you could follow me and be with me. You have found the secret of the kingdom. You found me. If you've, if you've come to, to give your life to me and, and go life in my way, in my direction, you found the secret to this kingdom. And so they, they've seen Jesus heal the sick and they've seen him uh, you know, do a amazing things and healings and, and uh, taking care of the poor and, and just blasting the religious establishment, the authorities there, breaking customs and rules. And he's saying, you found the secret of the kingdom here. And right in the middle of the secret of the kingdom is what? Is already and not yet. It's both, it's and. It's, it's success, it's failure right there. And he says, it's yours. This kingdom is yours. It's your gift. It's your unearned gift. They have the secret and the secret's Jesus. It's not obvious to other people, you know, and that's, that's the thing that's hard about this, this teaching I'm trying to share with you is because most of culture, they avoid the tension. They don't like tension. Most culture is all about, man, everything is good or everything is bad. I'm all in on this side of the way people think or I'm all in on this side of the way people think. Jesus was fully divine, and I'm going to relate to him 100% is that way, or Jesus was fully human, and I'm going to relate to 100% that way. But isn't, that's not really our faith, is it? And so for us who have been given the secret, that's part of it, is embracing that tension that we live in. It's hard. I've grown to love it. I know a lot of people who just still detest it because they like it clean and tidy and black and white. But the kingdom is a blend of a lot of things going on there. It's a tension that we are invited to live in. So how do we respond? How do you respond? You know, what's your expectation? If our expectation is already and not yet, what can we do to, to be sure that um, we're living in the right place? You know, I, I prefer personally to try to figure out how to have a little more already than I already have. Because I don't really like the not yet, right? I mean, if, if I could choose a little more of one or the other, if it doesn't have to be a 50-50 deal, which I don't believe it has to be, I'm going to choose believing that God's kingdom's going to break in and we're going to see the effects of it rather than God's kingdom going to break in, it's going to fail. I know that it will sometimes. I know that sometimes it really won't take root. But if I could choose one or the other, I'm going to figure out how to experience a little more of the already and a little less not yet. And so how do we do that? And I think... Again, going back to the metaphor, soil. Soil. We can focus on soil. Soil is the, the ground where the seed is planted. And so the seeds of the kingdom, you know, I'm praying today, just as I share with you, that seeds are being planted in you. Hopefully you're praying that seeds of the kingdom are being planted in your city. Hopefully this environment here that you guys have as a church is, is a soil that others feel like they could come and be planted in. And so we focus in on those, the soil, the nutrient-rich soil that we want to make ourselves available for God's kingdom to come and take root. And then that's really what Jesus does. He, he breaks it all down. He interprets the whole parable. And I think we already kind of know it, but here's what he said to these, these um, disciples that were asking him. He said, don't you understand the parable? 
How then are you going to understand any parable of mine? He's frustrated. He's like, come on, guys. Here it is. The farmer sows the seed, sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, they're like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word at once, receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the, of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, they're like seeds sown among the thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the z- desire for things to come in choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, there's the encouragement, seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times of what was sown. And so, seed falls, along hard, falls on hard soil all the time. And, um, you know, we have it stolen from us all the time. Seed falls on rocky places, and it gets choked out by the busyness of life and the worries of life and, and all the different responsibilities you carry out, and it never takes root. Seed thorn, sown among thorns gets choked out by all sorts of things. Here he talks about the deceitfulness of wealth, sort of the, the things that culture tells us will make us happy. We'll choke out our, the seed that's at work in the soil of our lives. And so our role, our, our, our part in this whole kingdom tension is how's the soil of your soul? How's the soil of your church? How are you impacting the soil of your city? Focus on those things. Do what you can to nurture that soil, to, to plow it. <laughs> you know, plowing is, is uh, maybe the, the imagery there is, is a little, could be upsetting, right? And involves sort of turning up and stirring up and it can be messy and it sort of makes the pretty things look ugly sometimes when you plow things. And so we need to plow the, 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 the soil of our souls and our churches and our cities so that the seeds of the kingdom can take root. Would you all stand? I'm going to close. I think I fit it in, Crispin. I, I'm even two minutes early. Man. Whew. Yeah. So we ended at 11.15 too. So you guys, uh, I, can, I can live in this, uh, this place here. This is good. So yeah, tension. Tension. Are you embracing it? Are you expecting it? You know, there's, there's, uh, I'm sure there's some of you that you are living through something that is falling far short of your expectations right now. I mean, there's something going on. Obviously, a lot of you, it's work, right? Could be in the family area, could be in marriage, could be in um, just, uh, just uh, trying to find your purpose and meaning in life, could be uh, physical health. I mean, there's all that. It has to do with expectation. And you know what? We don't, have to, we don't have to be fake about it. We don't have to be like, man, thank you, God, so much that life is not meeting my expectations. But we can live, come to a place where we know that that's kind of part of the deal. We're going to experience resistance. There's going to be some opposition. It's, it's, we should expect it. But we can also expect that it's, we're not wasting our time for the kingdom to break into those situations. We're not wasting our time to invite God to break. It's not a waste of your time. Because Jesus was extravagant in sowing seed in the most desperate of circumstances. And so no matter how bleak it might be or, or um, how callous you feel about it, it is absolutely appropriate to invite God's kingdom, His life, His rule into those circumstances. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Let's just pray, pray, invite God to do that. So God, I just pray for my friends here. I just pray, God, that your kingdom would break in. 
God, I pray that uh, for those who have experienced just disappointment and failure, um, and they're really living in that, and they find maybe even they just find a little bit of identity in that, and they find themselves becoming a little more pessimistic and negative, and, and the future feels a little bleak to them. Um, God, I pray that your kingdom would just break in. God, we invite your kingdom to break into those with medical conditions that just seem hopeless. God, I pray that your kingdom would break into job circumstances where people feel trapped, where they feel like there's no way out, they're totally stuck, and it's not what they want to be doing with their life. I pray that your kingdom would break in. God, I pray that we would learn to, to just sort of embrace this tension of, that, that you demonstrated, you modeled for us. Lord, that we could still find joy in the midst of disappointment. God, that we could still find purpose in the midst of monotony. God, I pray that you would still uh, allow us to experience hope when things seem awfully uh, discouraging around us. God, I pray that we could live in the tension of the now and the not yet, this kingdom reality. And Lord, I just pray blessing on this church, that they would be that as a people. God, I pray that they would be that as a community in this city, in this area. God, that they would be a people that would sow seed in all places, everywhere they go. God, that they would uh, not be afraid to, to, to waste from time to time seeds of the kingdom because it looks like it doesn't seem like it's going to take. I pray that you'd still give them the courage to just give it a shot and to see if you might break in. And God, I pray for the soil here in this room. I pray for the soil of people's souls, the soil of this community, the soil of this church. God, I pray that you would, you would plow it up a little bit. God, that you would... Uh, allow us to be, pe- help us to be people that would welcome that, to be plowed so that we might be able to be a little more prepared for your kingdom seed to just settle in to who we are and what we're doing and what we're about. So God, we thank you for this church. I pray blessing on it. Just pray that you bless them. God, I pray that you would uh, allow them to experience that harvest that you talked about. That maybe looks like numerical growth. Maybe it looks like an, a growth of influence in the community. It maybe just looks like a depth of uh, experience with you. I pray you would multiply their, their knowledge and experience of you, and that that would be a harvest. And so, God, I, I just ask that you would do that. We believe that you do that. We thank you that there is that part of the promise, that while there is a, a side where we can expect resistance, there's also a side where we can expect harvest. And so, God, I pray that you would allow these in this room to experience that harvest and to keep sowing and to keep tilling up the soils of their soul. Just bless them, Lord. Amen. Crispin, if you want to come on up and close, I don't know if you guys want to close with anything specific or, yeah.